Hey, so Ben has been there since day dot of Twitch TV, which originated from Justin TV. And if you're not aware of the history, I suggest looking it up. And he left not too long ago after the Amazon acquisition to pursue some of his own work. And we talk about a lot of this today. This was the LinkedIn Live session that once again has been repurposed. He's developing a fantastic online platform called Juked.gg. And while this isn't an ad at all, he's not paying us for this. I'm a believer in what he's doing. So I think this project's fantastic. And I think that it could change up the way that people consume online media or consume tournaments in a much better fashion in esports. I'm still not 100% sold, I would say. I have used this product a lot myself and I think it's got some awesome legs. So I'd love to hear what you think. Let us know at BigEsports underscore GG on any social medias. Enjoy. Thanks so much for being a listener of this podcast. We've created it really to help increase information sharing and understanding of the esports market. If you'd like to help us out, feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you do and make sure to share this with your friends. Hopefully we've been able to provide some fantastic information to you and a bit of a learning experience over this period of time, whether you're looking to skill up, enter the industry, or you're just looking to monitor to see how things are going. If you'd like to put yourself forward as a guest, suggest any others or ask any questions feel free to connect with us at bigesports.gg or on any of the social media platforms at bigesports underscore gg. Ben, let's chat a bit about you, mate. Jukes.gg. Yeah. Um, I've been in the alpha, I guess, for a while. Is that what you'd call it? Trying it out a bit. Yeah. But now, as of yesterday, you've launched publicly. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I think you were in kind of probably one of our first invite waves maybe three or four months ago. Uh, and we've been closed beta testing now for uh, since about August, mid-August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started working on the project back in about May is when we full started developing full-time. Uh, so really glad to have some nice velocity and been able to get a lot of good user feedback. And here we are. Yesterday was the big day. We launched Juke to the world. And uh, just kind of... I'm just uh, a little bit crazy right now, but uh, happy to join. <laughs> this yeah. is always that yeah it's always it's happening and i guess it's the general startup thing right if you're kind of building the plane as you're taking off at the same time too so while like does it does it feel almost a little bit anticlimactic for you when it is the public launch but you've still got so much to work on you're still rolling out features and nothing's really changed for you it's just for the viewers on the other end yeah if, I, if i'm being totally honest with you i mean it's not like we launched some gigantic new feature yesterday uh it was more like mm-hmm planting a flag in the ground and saying, hey, we're, we're live to the world. I mean, we have, we've really developed a lot on Juked over the last couple of weeks. So it's gotten much, much better, specifically within the last few weeks. But it was kind of just like, we're just going to open up shop. We're just going to open up to everyone <laughs> and get the PR and, and go on all the amazing podcasts and talk shows like this one here on LinkedIn Live, which is still crazy yeah. to me that that's a thing, but here we are. <laughs> well, you are the Twitch man yourself. So yeah. I guess like to, to pre-phrase, yeah. there's three types of people that tune into LinkedIn Lives and to the <laughs> podcast and, and on my LinkedIn. Number one is people who are junior that are looking at an entry into the esports market or maybe to skill up. Second is people who are working in the esports market as a startup founder, as an owner, um, as you know, mid-level, lower management that are looking to grow their skills and scale up. And the third is people who are influential and or outside of the industry looking at making an entry in, whether it's investment, whether it's a job, whether it's a brand coming into the space. So keeping the third people, probably the second and third category in mind, can we kick off talking a little bit about fundraising and how that process has been for you? Because as far as I understand, this is the first time you've gone through raising capital. 
um, and what that process has been like for you and how you see the market as a whole. And I guess to, to tack on another third question onto that as well, most of the attention is about teams, but you're launching something a bit different. So do you see that most investors expect you to be a team and, and maybe not understanding who you are? Sure. I, I'll, I'll give my elevator pitch and I'll try to keep it literally to an elevator pitch, 30 seconds. Um, yeah. So yeah, what we're building with Juked is the best way to watch esports. Um, esports is a very fragmented ecosystem and there's really no good way to follow everything going on across the top games. There's so mm. much going on across the top games now that there can literally be dozens of esports tournaments going on in a single weekend. Um, so we built Juked to aggregate all of that into one place so that esports fans can easily find that content, enjoy that content, understand the context as well. Um, so <laughs> with that said, so this is my first go when it comes to building a startup from the ground up. But I, I was very lucky to uh, join Justin TV back in 2011, just a couple of months before the launch of Twitch. So um, I was on the founding team of Twitch and was there for about eight years. And during that time, I was able to make a lot of great connections, build some notoriety for myself. And without that fundraising, I don't know how I would have done it, honestly. I mean, the idea behind Juked if you're in esports, you know that there's kind of this need for this product because it's so difficult to follow the, uh, the industry and what's happening in all the mm. major tournaments. Um, mm. But the idea by itself, I don't think would have been enough for Random Joe to, to just go out and start fundraising. Um, so we feel pretty lucky. Myself and my co-founder have been in this industry for a long time, built a lot of great connections, have at least some credibility behind our names. And that was what allowed us to raise about half a million dollars from angel investors. Um, so we have no institutional venture capital firms um, backing us at this point. It's only angel investors. Um, but it's people that we've either met throughout the years, were part of our network, had followed myself or my co-founder, Chris Chan, um, Chan Man V. He's done a lot of podcasts and esports. And they saw us talking about this idea. And a lot of the time, they actually reached out to us. Um, so I think we've been lucky that fundraising has been easier than it could have been. That said, I've had at least 85 uh, investor conversations over the last three months, um, which is not not like out of the ordinary. That's kind of what you have to do uh, if you want to really successfully close any deals. Um, you really got to get volume. So we've been out there talking to a lot of people. Um, maybe I've wasted some time yeah. talking to way too many VCs because really... It, we're more suited for angel investors at this stage of our company. Yeah, and something that you and I have talked a little bit about and off this conversation or even on our podcast and what I've also talked to a lot of others about is that so many esports companies are in that sector right now where they may be suitable or even a little bit too big for angels, but they're too small for VCs because they're pre-money you know, they're pre and they're in the idea stage. Do you find yourself fitting in in that kind of problem in that kind of section? Has that been a bit of a problem for you or a bit of a struggle? Um, I, well, it, it hasn't been a struggle because our burn rate is low enough that you know we we're aiming to raise um, seven hundred thousand, and we're actually mm. uh, can't speak to the news yet, but we just got some great news, and we're actually up at closer to six hundred thousand or a little bit over now. Um, oh, cool. So we don't need to go out and raise anymore. So. In that mm. sense, it hasn't been terrible. Um, you know, my co-founder and I were also lucky enough to be able to bootstrap the company for the first few months. Um, so in a financial position to do that, which is just luck after luck after luck. But uh, I guess you make your own luck mm. over uh, over years and years and years of, uh, of toiling in the industry. So, um, yeah. but yes, I mean, generally, esports 
is still a quickly growing market, but investors are not looking at esports the same way they were two years ago. Um, I think two years ago, generally just in tech, it was much easier to raise a couple of years ago than it is now. I think the sheer quantity of companies out there raising just makes competition mm. really, really difficult. Um, and it's it's only continuing to go that direction. Um, that's what I hear talking to founders, VCs, investors. Um, it, it's getting more difficult to to raise like a prop around. But um, that's why we started with angels. And, and that's worked out mm. really well for us so far. Yeah, and a, and a question I asked you ages ago that I wanted you to touch on here is um, my experience is fundraising through kind of a syndicate of three people who come together to me. So it's really, it's one point of contact when I want to talk to my investors and people who are involved in my company. Does it add much extra complexity or issue for you when you're talking about angels and you've got a lot of people who are, you know, quite obviously angels are usually putting in say 25, 50, maybe 100 themselves. It obviously means you've got a lot of angels involved in this. Does that cause some issues with you internally? Um, actually, not at all because um, now I'm going to get into the the <laughs> the mechanisms of how you how you raise today, at least in Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. So commonly over the last several decades, a company at our stage would raise with a convertible note, which is essentially debt that you're taking on. And it's a promise to give equity at a certain point later. There's a mm-hmm. new form of convertible notes called the SAFE, which is... Uh, I always forget what it's called, but it's like simple agreement for, for founder equity or something. And simple yeah. is a key word yeah. because it's super easy and simple. Uh, you don't really need your lawyers to look over every ing- agreement because they're all... The whole point is you're supposed to use the same exact agreement as you'll find on the Y Combinator website. So basically, every startup in Silicon Valley raises with a safe now. Um, so we've got um, eight or nine different investors now, um, but they've all they've all invested with the safe, um, meaning that um, they don't own any equity yet. Uh, they will own equity in the future when we get a price round or 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 the company's uh, you know purchase uh, any liquidity mm-hmm. event. So. It's not like they have any votes. It's not like they have any board seats. Of course, we want to be very open and communicative with our with our investors. So, you know, we're sending updates. We're talking to them. We want to talk to them because they're generally smart people. Um, mm. We've got people from VCs. We've got people from the sports world. Uh, we've got really experienced um, legal counsel for for another startup, and they're all helping us in their own ways. But it's not like it's not like. And this is this is going to sound bad, but it's not like we're beholden to them in any way. Um, we don't, we we want to communicate, and we will continue to do so. But that's because yeah. we want to. Yeah, cool. And another thing that you said there that I want to highlight too was about having a low burn rate. And I, I've gone through a very similar thing with my company as well, going through having a higher burn rate in the past and, and lower. And I feel like I sleep so much better at night with a low burn rate. And the other thing you mentioned as well is I very commonly tell people who want to start their own startup. For me personally, before I started mine, I cleared any personal debt I had and I had some money in savings and I sleep so much easier at night than some of my friends who don't have those opportunities or maybe have a wife and kids as well who simply can't afford those opportunities to, to coast through a little bit more. And for me, it makes things so much easier and it sounds like you're in a, in a similar kind of situation as well. Yeah, I was super early at Twitch uh, or um, you know, I was there for the founding team of Twitch, which obviously got bought for a billion dollars. So... Um, that worked out well. Um, I didn't have as much equity as I would have liked, but um, that that worked out no well. Enough that, yeah, <laughs> that um, you know, both Chris and I have, are lucky to be in that position for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't, yeah. we didn't, um, 
we didn't get a salary for like nine months because uh, we really started working full time on this in terms of developing the product in May. But we've been working kind of behind the scenes since January, essentially. And mm-hmm. uh, I was doing some consulting at the time, but not much. Um, so we actually just started paying ourselves last month. So we, we're, we're actually awesome. getting a salary now. Very small salary, uh, but just enough that um, I'm not burning money every every month. I'm able to cover my living costs. Yeah, fantastic. I saw your I saw your tweet through from that recently, actually saying, yeah, your your first salary paid through. And I think my my comment was, um, I'm excited to see your first dividends check come through. As well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate all the help that you've given. By the way, Chris has uh, helped out with some introductions and other things, so uh, definitely appreciate it. No worries. And just a few more people joining in the chat here as well. So Drew Camilleri's back again. Pandelis is here. Jonathan saying hello from from it's Scotia in Canada, Scotia. Ryan Romans, Jacob's in here as well. Um, Kelly Byrne. We've got some uh, people loving your juice merch as well. Is there an opportunity <laughs> to, to get those somewhere if they want it? I printed 12 whole shirts because that was the the, the lowest number that I possibly could. <laughs> um, some lucky people got them at BlizzCon, uh, but you have to be either helping us out or a really close friend. Uh, however, yeah. I did get a bunch of people that were like, that, that shirt is dope. I want it. Um, so... Hey, maybe that's how we make our first buck. We haven't started monetizing yet. Yeah, there you go. I can start a merch store, uh, you know. Uh, we'll see. It's a pivot it. already. And there's a, a, I'm going to read a little bit of a longer comment here from Christy, but it's worth it. So she's saying, without question, Duke is a solution this scene needed. Side note, I love how personal Ben takes Duke's community growth. And, he's, and then she's got a question. How are you anticipating or receiving responses or if any pushback from the streaming giants? What do you, what do you think is elevating specific space within their communities? But I can see that being a complicated relationship to discuss with the decision makers at your end, and that's it's a very good question. I think, and we've covered this once in private too, which is good. So I'd love to get your opinion on that. Yeah. So with Juked, we're aggregating and and embedding the major streaming platforms, including Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, um, and generally we're using those APIs just like anyone else would. Um, so we're not doing anything fancy or weird or sketchy. We're using those exact same APIs, um, just like you might on your own site. If, um, if, uh, and being at Twitch for seven years, uh, seven and a half years, there were like two or three years where all the time at our weekly team meetings, we were talking about building out the API and the specifically the Twitch embed player to be as usable as possible for as many people as possible. Um, there was like an internal code name. I think it was Twitch Everywhere. Uh, so it was a huge internal initiative to make it as usable as possible. So generally, uh, we are, are, our goal, you know, what, what we'd love to see happen is Twitch, YouTube, Mixer love us because we're adding additional viewers and interest to esports content that they have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, uh, we're making sure that we're not stepping in on any toes. Uh, we know people at all of those companies, uh, and we want to make sure that we're not cannibalizing anything from them, uh, instead adding value. It reminds me a little bit of a, a publisher relationship, right? Like where we're doing a event with the non-endemic brand at the moment, and we're working with two, di- we working, we were working with two different publishers to run two different games and the community guidelines, you know, one of them is as long as we approve the graphics and there's no drugs or alcohol sponsorship, you can do whatever you want. We don't care. Where the other one says you need to charge under a certain entry fee, 
you need to use certain teams in the game. You can't use our graphics or our logo or our name. Plus, we need to approve all of your graphics. Plus, you can't do this, this, and this, and this. And like the wild opposites. I wonder, do you sense that in the future that might be some streaming platforms that go down that route? Or if you tried to list something like ESPN or Fox right now, I guess they would because they're pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I, I don't expect that to happen. I mean... um these are all tech companies and they all growth is like the number one priority across the board. So mm. I, I think they all probably feel similarly about embeds uh, as Twitch did. Um, I don't, I don't know uh, as well about the other companies, but I, I don't foresee any issues. Mm. And as, as someone who's been around in the esports market for a really long time, and this is a little bit of a tangent from Duke, a personal question, I'd love to get your opinion on pay-per-view in esports, the validity of it, whether you think it's got a, a place in the future. Obviously, like, MLG's done it in the past, many moons ago, but we haven't really seen it much since. Um, I don't know if pay-per-view is going to be big. You know, I think it could work. Um, I think it could work in the same way that, like, MMA pay-per-view works. Um, and that's how MLG had tried to do it. It was like, it was back when StarCraft 2 was really young and like the Korean players never came out to North American events. So it was like, mm. okay, we're going to have a fight card. It's NA players, Korean players like clashing and they hyped it up like that. Um, mm. And I will say like that actually did sell a lot of tickets, um, a lot of digital tickets. Uh, but there's really, an, I think there's a super interesting dichotomy of, motivations in esports um over the last three years to five years we've seen esports go from being almost purely um from the publisher standpoint almost purely marketing you know lcs mm-hmm. in the early days um really didn't invest in making sure it was a sustainable business which was a problem for the teams playing in lcs so we've seen a shift go from riot seeing lcs as being you know a way to market league of legends and you know, if they make back some of their money, it's okay. But it really wasn't the point. We've seen that shift go fully uh, now where Overwatch League, CDL, LCS, LEC, all these major esports leagues are trying to become self-sustaining businesses. Um, at the same time, mm. it still is marketing. Like it's still marketing for their games that they're selling or the skins that they're selling. Um, so mm. I think that is one of the main reasons why we haven't seen esports go behind a paywall is that the publishers still benefit from as many eyeballs as possible being on it. And then the other reason is um, which YouTube Mixer are the same. They want as many eyeballs as possible. And when Twitch pays uh, millions of dollars or, or YouTube pays millions or Mixer pays millions of dollars for broadcast rights for a league, they want that to get as many eyeballs as possible. So I don't mm. think it's impossible like it could definitely happen at some point but the the way that the market market structured from the publishers benefiting from having as wide reach as possible to the streaming platforms being the one paying the broadcast fees um the market is not structured in a way that i think we'll see that anytime in the next three years i think three to five years maybe things somebody will try it uh, mm-hmm. but i mean can you imagine if lcs you had to pay to watch i mean that would be bizarre. Like, yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, I think you're right. Part of it's the part of it's what the market's used to. I, I remember looking at the MLG pay per view streams and never crossed my mind to want to pay for them whatsoever. And that was at the stage when I was a StarCraft II pro 
manager I was managing a player in Australia and sponsoring him and it just wasn't a, wasn't an option for me but I think it's because I'm used to not paying for things you know I'm used to playing video games and or you know I've got 3,000 hours in Dota 2 which on that game the only money I spend each year is the compendium for the international mostly because it supports esports but also I get some cool missions I get to do on the side and I guess expanding on that too that's the best case study for exactly what you're saying right it's pretty obvious that Dota 2 with some back of the napkin numbers, Valve made a, makes about a $50 million profit off that marketing exercise yeah. <laughs> after all things considered, after they pay for the $1.6 million in the prize pool and you know pay for PGL to run it and fly their staff over and book the venue and do a little bit of marketing. Most of it's in the game anyway. They're, they're walking away with at least $50 million US in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So why would they want to lock that off from, from people not being able to watch it? Yeah, and uh, I think you're nailing like a really good path forward. In fact, to this day, I can't understand, I can't possibly wrap my mind around why more publishers and developers haven't straight up copied the compendium, or at least on something yes. similar. Because yep. that's, that's the perfect middle ground for gamers. Um, the broadcast mm-hmm. is free. You can pay for extra features, extra skins, extra items in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's going to support the teams, the players, the ecosystem. It's basically yep. like paying a pay-per-view or paying for cable, but you're there is a free version and you're also getting a bunch of value otherwise. Now, we have actually seen that model a little bit more come into prevalence, especially League of Legends with ProView, um, which was new this last season, where you get additional ways to watch the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Overwatch League did something very similar with a League Pass, which is $15 and you get new ways to watch. And you also mm-hmm. get some additional um, League tokens. So it's like, they're like, dipping their toe in a compendium-esque model. Um, but I'd love to see more esports go that route. I think it's a, it's a great way of bridging the gap between like esports today where like no one's making any money um, and uh, where it needs to go hmm. in the future. And they used to have very similar in Dota 2, right? Where you could, it, it, and it was a semi-pay-per-view model that people liked, where you'd have to buy an in-game ticket to watch the game, but that came with some items and that helped you to crowdfund the prize pool as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised that they got rid of that. I had a friend who crunched the numbers. He had 30 grand of his own money saved up um, working and living in Tasmania. And he was a, could say, a tier two Dota caster. And he crunched the numbers to say that if I run a tournament, I'm actually going to draw a profit off this tournament just simply through people purchasing the in game packs after he paid for the artist to make the in game stuff, after he paid the commentators and ran the tournament with them alongside himself. It was a pretty surefire way. And it happened in CS as well. I remember being invited in about 2012 or 2013 to go commentate the first face at CSGO tournament that was of any size. I think it was 40K USD held in the UK. Fortunately, due to visas, I couldn't get over there in time. They only asked me to, to go over like a week before the tournament's supposed to start. And that all that money was raised off an M4A1S skin, which they sold in-game. So yeah. we've already seen these be successful, but now we've gone back to them not happening anymore. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm on board with you 100. I'm also on board with the um, UFC esports idea, and I've been working on one behind the scenes uh, based around that. So hopefully we'll see that on on Duke in the future. <laughs> yeah, sweet. So for, so for you, if you were to give me the the Buzzfeed top five, what what are the main problems that you're solving for the casual fan or the casual viewer in esports? Yeah, I saw someone asking um, uh, for the less vague, less marketing speak version of what we're doing in chat. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll break it down um, as simply as I can. So Juke aggregates and indexes every <laughs> major esports tournament from the top 20 titles. 
um, and into one destination so that if you're an esports fan, you can come to Juked and see every single live event, everything that's coming up in the near future, all the past matches that you might have missed. And then you can sort that by your favorite game, your favorite team, or your favorite player. Um, so really, discovery is kind of the big problem that we're trying to solve. Um, because today, to find all that content, you're going to have to go to 25 different sources. Um, you're going to have to pray that you can find it on Twitch or find it on YouTube, um, just happen to find it. And there's actually another problem that we're trying to solve. So one is discovery, and two is actually giving you the data, the context behind those streams as well. So when you're watching a tournament on Juked, you don't have to go to HLTV or Liquipedia or some other third-party site to find the brackets, to find the player profiles, to find the teams, to, to find the schedules. So when you're watching a tournament on Juked, you're going to have all of that on the same page as the broadcast, which kind of... If you're outside of esports, that probably sounds like pretty basic and pretty simple. Um, but you truly cannot answer some of the like most basic questions about what you're watching when you're watching today. Um, you can you can mm. be tuned into a CS:GO broadcast and don't know if you're watching the semifinals or the group stage. You don't know how mm. to find the schedule. You don't know how to find the brackets. So those are those are some other problems that that we're uh, that we're trying to solve with Juke. And I feel like there's so much opportunity in the esports and wider gaming market to literally put different things together. I'm having a massive issue right now reporting on influencer campaigns because I can get some awesome influencer, you know, Twitch and YouTube and aggregate information to be able to report, but I can't get the same platform to also tell me social media. So I still have to manually do that or I have to subscribe to two different platforms. And very similar to like what you were saying, I, I don't know if it was you that mentioned in the podcast or some other people I've talked to before. I think it was a fantasy esports company saying that, you know, through studies, they've discovered that most people don't just have a Twitch stream live full screen on on their TV or on their monitor. They're doing other things at the same time too. So, you know, if nothing else, Duke is going to save you a couple of Chrome tabs. And that's and I found that exact same thing using it myself. I can see the brackets. I can see what the score is for the maps. That's also a very annoying one. Yeah. And also you can see a little bit about the team's history and, and who they are and who's actually playing for them too. Yeah, and we're just at the very beginning. Um, we've only really started building this the last couple of months. So we have a lot more that we ne still need to build when it comes to user preferences, ways to filter and sort the content even deeper than we have, um, player profiles. Like We'd love it if you could find that player's history. What's their nationality? Lifetime winnings, top placements, what teams did they play for before? Uh, we don't have that yet, so we're still building it. Um, and and a another question I'm just seeing in chat, sounds like something the leagues should do themselves. Um, Yes, I, I, and most of them do. I don't want to say that you can't find this information, but if you're trying to have a holistic understanding of esports, you can't do that by, by going to all these different websites. And frankly, mm. I don't want to call out any names, but some of these websites totally suck um, and don't even have the most basic information. So obviously, yeah. lolesports.com is great. Overwatchleague.com is great. But where do you go for Dota? Where do you go for Counter-Strike? Um, Rocket League has rlcs.com, also a great site. But like, we're pulling all of that together from all of these different games into one mm. place. Um, you know, and I hate to use this analogy because it's like done to death, but you know, there is no ESPN equivalent. Um, so we want to be that ESPN for esports. And I just, yeah, I'm right. cringing internally for saying that out loud, but that's, <laughs> that's true. It's true. It's the best way to say it. It's 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 like what everyone says the Uber of 
<laughs> and now you're now you're doing the ESPN off. Let's see where yep. you're going with that. And you and you're 100 right. It's it's always. I remember the first conversation we had together, which was exactly like that. Where I said to you, as a ex semi pro player of Counter Strike, sometimes I want to watch the hundred thieves boys play on stage because I used to play against them or run tournaments they played in, but. It's so impossible for me to know. Like, what are they playing in right now? Are they in PGL? Where's that? Are they playing in ESL? What country are they in? I don't know where to find the things from. Is it on Twitch, Facebook, Mixer? I don't know. Everything's yeah. so fragmented, which is, in my opinion, the best and the worst thing about esports. There's always so much content and it's everywhere, but it's so impossible to find things. And using your example again about, you know, LOL esports being good and, and et cetera, you know, it shows why a website like HLTV.org is so amazing. It was the only website I ever used to go to when I was a CS player because I knew it had everything there. And, you know, you need to be, be able to build those aggregates. And there's so many of these esports websites where I don't know um, how much the tickets cost to go to the live event, when it actually is, what the stream link is going to be. And I'm actively searching for these a lot of the time. I'm going back through tweets, trying to find information from a team that's playing in the tournament about where to find the live stream and things like that. And, you know, if you can just go to one central place like Duke or, or such, it's great. And, I guess that going on to the next topic, for me, it seems like a commercial opportunity for you for players of Overwatch to be advertised to by Paladins or players of Call of Duty to be advertised to by Counter-Strike to say, hey, come over here for a second. Take a look at this game. It's a little bit similar. I think you might like it. Uh, yeah, that's that's one we have to be very gentle with. Um, <laughs> obviously, there is an opportunity there for us, uh, but we mm-hmm. have to have a really strong editorial voice. So... Sure, I'm open to working with publishers <clears throat> to help promote their games in unique ways on Juked. Um, maybe that's banners, whatever. But I'm never going to put a brand new mobile game that says we're the next big esport. I'm never going to have that override, you know, BlizzCon or Evo or Worlds or whatever. So, or the mm-hmm. next CS:GO major. So, as long as we have that editorial integrity, you know, we can do stuff like that. But um, it's a slippery slope. So, uh, I think. Whatever everything we do is gonna be has to benefit the esports fans. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we can do a banner for them. We can maybe when you're going through the calendar, it says like start or something like whatever. We can do things like that. But if you land on Juked and we're showing you something with a hundred viewers, when there's something with two hundred thousand viewers or eight hundred thousand viewers, I think we're we're not doing our fans uh, a, a, the right service. Mm. And some a question from Shark here in the chat from um, Renegades and various other esports companies who's saying that, that Duke has helped solve some international CSGO headaches for him and his team, for Polish events specifically. But also, um, can you touch on the roadmap upcoming? He was saying your co-founder had some great um, knowledge online about that, but yeah, for the stream watching at the moment. Yeah, so uh, I'll go back to some of those things that we were talking about earlier, just continuing to make us uh, Juke the most robust platform not only for watching esports, but getting all of the information you need about the back, background of the players, teams, uh, leagues. So you know, we're still building, for instance, team pages. So if you're a fan of Team Liquid or Fnatic, you can find every match that they're playing in, every player that's on their team, all the teams yeah, that cool. they have. Um, we're still building the player profiles and the team profiles. Um, beyond that, localization is something we really need to tackle. Right now, it's got a super heavy western bias um and my my western bias seeps through when it comes to what we have on the platform and what we don't because we don't really support PUBG mobile um which is the biggest game in india and the biggest game in china you know um so we do have to open our eyes to the international markets a bit more and have localization by language 
Um, supporting more games is really important to us. And then once we're really confident that we've built a product that esports fans love and they're coming back to all the time on web, we have to then focus on mobile um, and we have to focus on smart TVs. I watch a lot on smart TVs. Uh, and I know that if we're not there, um, I wouldn't be able to use Juke when I'm in my bedroom chilling out at night. Um, so uh, mm. I think those are some of the like immediate things. Um, you know, we we have a lot of ideas for what we want to build that things that users can actually get their hands on um, and, and and contribute to Juke. So some of those ideas are like creating tools for tournament organizers so that they can create their own pages on Juke really, really easily, which um, obviously you can do on your own website, but it's difficult. And uh, so, so if we can make it really easy to put up all your schedules, all the teams that are playing, all their player profiles, get the brackets on there, on the standings on there. Um, if you have multiple streams associated with your event, we'll create that multi-view. Um, so we already have the ability to do this. If we're doing this, for the events that we're supporting today. So what if we turn the, the keys over to tournament organizers? Like these are the types of ideas that we uh, that we're really interested in pursuing kind of after we finish this discovery problem and this um, this context problem that we're that we're working on now. Mm. And a question from the chat as well, asking about social media integration with Juked as well. Um, yeah, this is something we've also thought about quite a bit and talked about internally. Um, I do think that there should be some way to be social on Juke with your friends. Uh, an idea we love is invite friends to watch an esports event with you and maybe create a chat room for that. I'm mm. wary of having a, yet another comment system, right? Um, I the the if there's comments and it's a lot of it's a moderation headache, but I don't think people really want that necessarily. They already have Reddit, um, so we do want people to be able to be social on Juke. Uh, just not quite sure what that looks like yet. And I don't think it'll be in the form of a forum or comment system or anything exactly like that. Um, so we're still mm. figuring it out. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I mean, you know, a lot of my friends, we get together in Discord and watch matches together uh, mm -hmm. when we're not doing it in person. But, you know, the most common thing for me is whenever I start a stream on any platform is to close the chat immediately. Mm -hmm. But if there, is a if there is a closed chat where it's just me and my five other friends, you know, I think I do see some merit in that. I think it's a, yeah, I think that's an interesting idea. I'll tell um, you where the idea came from. Um, yeah. This is going to sound cheesy, but um, my co-founder, Chris, he's remote uh, and he came out to San Francisco. We were onboarding our first employee about a month ago or a month and a half ago. And he was in San Francisco for a weekend that was like LCS uh, finals, a uh, huge smash tournament, StarCraft. Uh, it was Overwatch League playoffs. It was like all these events. And we yeah, legitimately wow. watched 10 hours of esports per day. And I'm like, yeah. I love esports, but I would never watch 10, 12 hours of esports unless I had someone to shoot the shit with. Because I yeah. don't really watch League that often, but he knows more about it than I do. And then I know more, more about Smash than he does. So that's kind of how the idea came hmm. together. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and another interesting point here from Christy that I've thought about and, and um, started to implement with my own LinkedIn live streams is email alerts and calendar alerts for events as well. Yeah, we've got that already, actually. In the ah, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, I've been trying you have to, to register that. an account, though. You have to register. So go ahead and <laughs> register on juke.gg, and you can sign up for notifications for everything. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Because, I mean, yeah. for me, with my LinkedIn live streams, it's similar thinking. It's, um, 
you know, how do I make sure that the people are ready to go? And generally these are during the working day. So what easier way than to lock them into a meeting that they can't um, <laughs> schedule something else over and steal their time away from them. Yeah. <laughs> is there, and there's another comment in here as well. Um, is there any um, scope for you now or in the future to place betting into the system, into Duke? Yes. Um, if we have hardcore esports fans watching every tournament, there's a lot of obvious uh, crossover with uh, w- with betting. Uh, it's not something that I know much about. And, you know, I'm in California. Chris is in Florida. Neither of us can legally sports bet. Never really sports bet in my life um, or done fantasy for, for that matter. Um, so it's not something we're super passionate about or, or understand. Uh, that said, it's a big opportunity too. So we're, we're definitely open to it. Definitely. Yeah. I'll have to make you some introductions. We're, we're working with Unicorn on some campaigns at the moment. So yes, we've, we've kicked off a conversation there as well. Ah, fantastic. So what's, uh, what's keeping you up at night at the moment? What are some roadblocks? There's a lot of movers and shakers in the chat right now. Is there anything besides making accounts that, that they can help you out with? I mean, by far our biggest uh, challenge, I think, is just breaking existing user behavior. Um, I truly believe that we've created a better way to discover esports. It's easier to get all that data you need. Um, but people are set in their ways, right? Um, mm. There's this like common notion in Silicon Valley that if, they're, if you're trying to create a product and disrupt the market, you have to be 10x better than the existing products. Um, and I think we're a lot better. Um, are we 10x better? That's the question. So how can we prove to esports uh, followers and fans and viewers that it's not just a better way to watch esports, but like they don't ever have to even think, oh, you know, Overwatch League is live. Oh, I'm going to go to twitch.tv slash over. No, uh, or whatever. Oh, there's a Counter-Strike tournament this weekend. I forget where it was. I forget when it started. They should immediately think, oh, I can just go to Juke to find that. So we have to prove that we have the quality of data that they know every single tournament that they care about is going to be there. And we have to have um, you know, such a user-friendly interface that it's so obvious that all of this data is there. So that, that's our biggest challenge um, because mm-hmm. as big of a problem as I think these, these are that we're, we're trying to solve right now, esports is growing like crazy still. Um, and people have their methods, whether it's seeing... you know, We've actually talked to hundreds of users at this point. And one of the questions that we always ask is like, how do you and how do you tune into an esports broadcast today? And by far, without a doubt, the number one response we got there was, "I see somebody tweet about it." Number two was, "I saw it on Reddit or I saw it on a Reddit or Discord server that I'm on." Mm-hmm. Um, number three was, "I saw it randomly by scrolling through the Twitch directory," and number four was, "I go to the league website." Like way down on the list. Like five percent of people said, "I go to a league website or I go to a third-party app." So um, mm. we do need to prove to those people that typically are finding all of their favorite esports events just because they see someone tweet about it or whatever that it's better, it's more effective. Finding vods is easier. Setting your calendar is better. You can find the brackets and the standings better. So we need to break that existing user behavior, which um, is going to be a big challenge, definitely. Yeah, and and. To add some extra weight to that as well, I remember reading an article by Tort Delaney about um, 
esports news websites as well and going through similar same problems to what you're talking about where a lot of these websites are receiving 75% plus of their traffic from social and not native, yeah. whereas hltv.org is literally the opposite. And the same using the very singular, the singular case study of myself when I was a CS player, I would always open hltv.org. And similar to, like you were saying with Reddit, they call themselves the front page of the internet because a lot of people, when they start up their PC, they might open Twitter, Facebook, maybe Instagram, as well as Reddit as well. So you're trying to be that that first place that people go to, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I think there's this, this event is happening this weekend. I should just go to Juke to find it is a really, is a mm-hmm. big user behavior that we want. And then another user behavior that I think is actually even more important for us is like, I just got home from work. I want some entertainment. I'm just going to open Juke. I'm on lunch break. I'm going to just open Juke and see what's happening. Um, because, you know, I think we, we really want to expose people to content that they wouldn't have watched otherwise. I want you to watch Smash Bros. Because it's amazing. I want you to watch StarCraft because it's amazing. I want you to watch Street Fighter because it's amazing. And these, these are not the biggest esports, but um, we're going to fe- be featuring that content. Uh, and, and I want you to, to stumble across it and enjoy it. Yeah, fantastic. All right, mate. Well, we should wrap this one up pretty soon. Yeah. Where can people follow you online if they want to keep in touch? Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash fish sticks, fish sticks with an X. Uh, but really, you should just go to juke.gg. That's what I'm here for. So uh, <laughs> we just launched yesterday. Uh, we're in open beta now. You can register an account. Uh, we also have a newsletter that we send every Thursday, sometimes Friday, uh, that tells you all about the big events that are happening this weekend. So if you're strapped for time and you want to stay in the know about esports, our newsletter is a great way to do that. You just need mm. to register on juke.gg and uh, we'll hook you up. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, I can I can attest that Ben's pretty prolific on Twitter, always answering questions and stuff too. So make sure you spam him and um, add to his follow account. <laughs> Come and influence yourself one day. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. And thanks to everyone joining in. Just going to read some chats, um, some, some names from the chat here as well. Jacob coming back, Lydia being very active, Chris Reed, Dalton, Dwight, uh, Brant, and also Princey coming in here for the first time as well. Thank you so much for joining. Unfortunately, I had some issues with my phone on LinkedIn as always, having to refresh to be able to see. But, you know, we, we reached up to about 50 people coming in live, which is um, almost our PB, which is awesome. So obviously the people want Juke, Juke, and people want you, Ben. So thanks for coming, mate. <laughs> No problem. Thanks for having me. I'll come back anytime that you want. Just let me know. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For show notes, relevant links, and upcoming projects, you can check us out online at bigesports.gg or follow us on our social medias at bigesports underscore gg. 